Hello and welcome to another episode of This Game Where with me, Ashley. And me, Chris, where we're going to be talking about a game from our childhood. This week it is Ashley's turn to talk about a game from his childhood. So, Ashley, what is the game we're going to be exploring this week? Uh, This week it is going to be a game from the Nintendo Entertainment System. Are you familiar with the Nintendo Entertainment System? So the Famicom we discussed the Famicom. Recently, yeah, we have discussed this before, haven't we? Yeah, in yes. Japan it was a, it was the Famicom as well. Was it Family Computer? Family Computer. Yeah. So I didn't have a NES. The lady that used to childmind is that the right word? I used to get picked up after school, uh, primary school, from this uh, by this woman who had other children. Wasn't just me. That'd be a bit odd. And uh, her children had a NES, so I played it. a a bit at her house. Beyond that, I can't really remember ever playing a NES, and she only had a, a handful of games. There was a, the Mario that was on the NES, the very first Mario game. A few of the ones that I genuinely can't even remember the names of. Uh, Can most, you describe them? There was one that was an isometric game with a wizard. There was another game that was a platform game with a wizard. So it was a bit of a theme of, of wizardy. Wizards. Yeah, very wizardy. Okay, was she Wiccan? <laughs> Not that I'm aware of, no. no. Okay, no, it was, okay. I always, the, the NES was in her bedroom. I always found it a bit odd that I had to go and sit up in her Excuse bed. me? <laughs> the NES was... Sorry, I took a sip of a drink just at that opportune moment, <laughs> and Chris rev- reveals that he was in the bedroom of his childminder. I was like eight years old. Okay. Uh, it's worse then, isn't it? It's she worse wasn't there way. as well. She was she downstairs there, but... like, making sandwiches right, and, well, and that's for that the other children. Before I went off the deep end with that. Yeah. So that's my limited experience with Inez, playing it in a bedroom of a okay. lady's house. So um, I don't really and know. And games that you don't know either, so. Yes. Which. Fair enough. Um, so. My experience with Inez is a little bit more in depth than that because I I had one. It was, it was the second console that I was bought, but without getting into my sordid family history, the first one was bought by my dad. Okay. Uh, the second one was bought by my mum and they didn't Oh, right. Yes. One of those. Yeah. That situation. This game was not, however, bought at the same time. I got the NES for Christmas again when I was quite young, probably about four or five, and I got this game for myself from the legendary, not legendary, Ashby Sales down Lincoln High Street. What's Ashby Sales? I'm sure I've talked to you about Ashby Sales before in a podcast, but to re- to reiterate for anyone that hasn't heard that or doesn't remember, like Chris, Ashby Sales is a second-hand shop. It's a very little, strange little place. It's still open. I don't know. I can't remember. I think it might be. Right. I think, again, I think I looked this up for one of our previous podcasts and it was open, but it was doing something different. But it was like a little grotto. It was a white... It had whitewashed walls on the outside. It had a window, like a... What do you call one of these windows that I've got? A bay window. A bay window. It had a bay window on the front, down Lincoln High Street. And when you went in, it didn't have shelves. It had, like, a built-in... Wall unit. He shows the shop wasn't like someone's house. No, this was this was a shop. In fact, we've talked about it. I do remember now because you said about oh, did he? Is it now a Mexican restaurant? You asked me that question. Yeah, do you remember asking that? Yeah, practice? I do remember that. Well, it was a grotty grotto. Nice. You went in. You had this built-in wall unit and all of the NES games. It's it was almost like he laid them out ready for me to get. Quite, quite reverently, sort of like a... Yeah. I, I imagine like the bit at the end of the Thursday Night Indiana Jones film with all the different cups all around the whole... Yes, it was like that, yeah. except there was but like... For a, NES games. It was NES games. Yeah. And there was... Was a, there a little like, knight there? No knight. Oh, just a man. Did he look like a knight? No. Oh. The opposite. Whatever was that is. A, a day? <laughs> no. Not, oh my God. 
ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> that was good wordplay. He was sort of he was he was sort of unclean, unkempt, unshaved face. Right. I I kind of imagine him because I don't really remember him, but I imagine him like Mister Twit from the Twits. So huge, sort of a bit unkempt, of beard, beard bag, bit of cornflake. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that sort of fella, and his place wasn't much better than he was in my head. The NES games were laid out on this surface, and the surface had a sheet on it, you know, like a duvet cover, but it wasn't laid out straight. It was sort of all bumpy and, what would you call it? If haphazardly. You... Yeah, it was haphazardly placed. Right. Yeah, exactly. So so did he sell anything else, or just a, a, well, this is what a world I was unit say. with a duvet with some NES games? It does sound quite it, an odd It was place. like he'd nestled the NES games into the duvet, into this... Nes- nestled, nestled. There's a ne- ne- nestled. Yeah, indeed. Thank you very much. Thank for you. That. Uh, so I, we'd go in, and I was four or five or whatever. I'd go in. I'd have my pocket money saved up for a few weeks or so. Yeah. And these games, they, they would never be more than a handful, and he would be selling them for sort of three to to about ten pounds. I never had ten pounds. I always was on the lower end, and so I would end up getting some interesting games. One of these games, and but these games where they weren't in boxes, or just it was just the cartridge. Yeah, literally, it was just the cartridge. So if you, you mentioned lucky, previously about how you often had games that were just the cartridge, so you had no instruction manual, no box. Is this where these games came from? Yes, yeah. right. A little piece of your history is like clinked into yeah. place there. So. Yeah. It was, they were very rarely in boxes. And if they were in boxes, then they would cost more. And therefore, I probably wouldn't be allowed, be able to afford them anyway. If you were okay. lucky, you might get the little black sleeve. Did you ever see the little black sleeve that no. NES games came in? I will show you later. Okay. Um, what they looked like. What treat? It, honestly, they're lovely. They really are. But anyway, let's, let's re- do the big reveal. So yeah. one of my things that I was always drawn to was games that were based on films. Right. For better or worse. Is it because it was it films you watched and liked? Yes. Or, okay. was this... or films that I'd heard of that I'd never seen. In this case, it was a film that I have watched or had watched at the time. So you were drawn to it and... Absolutely drawn okay. to it like a magnet. And the game that yep. you are going to enjoy tonight, and I yep. genuinely think you are going to enjoy it. I hope so, because is... Green Dog was, was quite the experience. <laughs> it is Gremlins 2. Ooh. Gremlins 2, lovely. sorry, subtitle. Yes. The New Batch. Gremlins to the new batch, referencing a previous episode of the podcast, is in fact uh, the name of the film. So it went straight down the line with nomenclature. Here, they took it, the name of the film, and they slapped it on the game. Good. I just want to congratulate you on using, using the word nomenclature again. again. I, <laughs> I was so impressed using it last time, and you've you've trotted it in again, and I have, gave yeah. me a cheeky little smile while doing so, just to sort of highlight how. Yeah. how Please draw with that. It's called a callback. <laughs> if I'd never seen Gremlins 2, um, is this whole podcast going to fall down around us? No. Why? That's, that's Are you I... telling me that you've never seen Gremlins 2? No, I've seen Gremlins 2. I just wanted to play Devil's Advocate. Oh, gosh. You did scare me a little bit there. I don't really know why, though. I watched because... Gremlins 1 on my 16th birthday. Why? I don't really know in retrospect. It's just something to do. That's similar to us going to see Ghostbusters for your... Stag party. Yeah, but like 16th birthday, you know, you, you've become a man and, well, I, or maybe a woman. And I, I became a man and I just sat on my room You've become a man or a maybe woman. Was that for you or was that for just the audience? I'm just you trying to not, you know, do a sweep in generalisation. Okay, I, I watched um, Nanette by Hannah Gadsby last night on Netflix, so I'm very aware Nanette of Nanette by Hannah Gadsby? Yeah, stand-up show. Well, it purported to be a stand-up show. I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be woke. More woke than I, I was previously. Right, okay, because I think I was woke. Because Hannah Gadsby's given you a dressing down. 
Yeah, she did. I really did feel like she did at the end. I haven't seen in that, but I've well, heard it's very good. Oh, it was, it was, I was sold it sort of like being like, a, oh, it's, you know, changes the face of comedy and whatever. Mm. And, um, it was quite self referential. Uh, no, New Zealand, uh, not New Zealand, sorry, uh, Tasmania. Oh, right. Okay. A totally wrong area of the, of the world then. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, sorry, Hannah. Yeah. Almost the complete opposite side of the world. Almost really, the complete from, opposite from side of the world. I think I'm thinking of someone else. Was she wearing a yellow dress? No. no, no. Oh, the one from uh, there's, there's one from Denmark. Um, there's one. Good. There's one. A comedian, not a, a, a Sophie Hagen. Yes, that's who, that's who I'm thinking, thinking of. of. Yeah, Sophie Hagen. Yeah, she is also very funny. Yeah, she is good. Anyway, <laughs> so back onto Gremlins Two, which I have seen. I can remember very clearly the scene in which it all becomes very self-referential and they burst out of the film into the cinema. Yeah, I, I, I remember thinking, and I saw that after Gremlins with Hulk Hogan. Yes. So I saw this film when I was about 16, 17, not when it originally came out back in the, what, early 90s. Mm. And I remember thinking, you know, being a bit more aware of it myself and films in general at that time. It came out in 1990. Did it really? So I saw it, what would that have been, like 2002, 2003, and I thought, that's clever. And it is clever, that bit, isn't it, where it all... It is very clever. It's even more fun because they did a different version of it for the video. Really? Yeah. So, for anyone that hasn't seen Gremlins 2, maybe halfway through the film, the Gremlins, if you were watching it in the cinema, they mess around with the film, they pop up as shadows on the film, like Mystery Science Theatre 3000, and then they stop the film, and the film reel burns up, and you see all this acted out, and then just so happens that in the cinema on the screen that the Gremlins 2 is showing in is Hulk Hogan, and Hulk Hogan gives the Gremlins a dressing down. About what? He tells them to stop they're tinkering. messing around. Yeah. And do they listen to him? He calls them the Gramsters. Why do you remember that word specifically? Uh, I watched that little sequence as a refresher this morning. Right. What, yeah. in, in preparation for the podcast? Yeah, he says something like, do you think the Gramsters can take on the Hulkster? Right. And do they take on the Hulkster? Yeah, they do. And do they win? Or does no, he win? they don't. The Hulkster gets them to turn the, the phone back on. But anyway, there's that bit. And then on the video recording, on the video cassette that they put out, um, they replace that with the Gremlins destroying the video cassette. Nice. And it switches into some kind of John Wayne film. Right. And they presumably the rights that were quite cheap, I'm guessing. I, I imagine that must have been the reason that they went for it. Yeah. They they go into this John Wayne film and they've overdubbed John Wayne's voice so that he's talking to the Gremlins who are messing around. Wow. Dressed up as cowboys with guns. That's. And he sort oh, right. of tells them to naff off or else he's going to shoot them. What John Wayne does? Yeah. What about the DVD release then? They reverted back to the Hulk Hogan. Why's that? Because, I presume because that was better and that was the original intent. Which do you think was better? Um, I think the Hulk Hogan. So but Hulk- I like the fact that there was multiple multimedia versions of, of the... I think it, I don't know any other film that's done that. No, off the top of my head, I can't think of any either. No. Although, having said that, you came in and you saw that I had Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse I did. on Blu-ray Yep. Uh, that I've watched recently. And actually, one of the things that they do, instead of having special features where they have the deleted scenes, they have made what they're calling an alternate universe right. version of the film, where they've inserted the uh, in-work-in-progress scenes into the film. Wow. And they've also re sequence some of it so that it tells the same story but in a different way so they've put the lead scenes into the film to make a longer perhaps less coherent film but one that kind of it's only about eight minutes long eight eight minutes longer so it's not too much longer but interesting idea what you see the intention from what i've seen of it was that the friend now his roommate 
yeah. he was going to be a bigger part of the process of Spider-Man finding out, Miles finding out that it was Because I don't think he actually sp- he speaks in it, does he? No, he doesn't. All. That's the whole shtick of the character in the film as it exists in the cinema. Right. Um, so yeah, there, there you go. There's, they're doing it now, but the Gremlins did it. So how does that translate to the game then? How does the, the, the scene where they jump out the, the cinema... It doesn't. And oh. It doesn't. Right. So yeah, so what you're really asking with that question is, does the game translate the film... From film to game, yeah, in such a way as to represent the game, the film in a coherent storytelling. Because I know we have proofs on the podcast, and again, this is a sweeping generalization. We said about how films to games, games to films are generally a bit rubbish, and there are exceptions to that, but overall, they're not great. So, is this an example? This, this is, is one where it works well. A welcome exception. It's not because they've adapted the film scene for scene. It's because they've taken the gist of the film, the spirit of the film, and they've turned it into a workable game. Anarchic. So, anarchic. Not anarchic. Anarchic? Yeah, it was a bit kind of... In in the film, the gremlins are a, a bit... Oh, yeah, they, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there, there is a certain sense of chaos to yeah. to their antics. The the game is actually more coherent in that sense than the, than the film is. It tells a story of a journey, tells a story of Gizmo's journey, dealing with the gremlins. That's, that's the basic plot of the game. So what sort of game is it then? What genre? So um, It's an action game. So it's not a platformer. Though it has platforming-esque elements. You are looking more at like accurate throwing of things and accurate move and whatnot. Does that make sense? Sort of. So is it like, so is it a third person? So if you think, when I, when I played it uh, recently, it reminded me in a very loose way of uh, Link the Past. Okay. Very, very loosely. That Take same that sort with of, a grain of salt. That same sort of perspective. The it is isometric. isometric. It is isometric. At, a, at that sort of angle, like a 45 to 60 degree angle. Now you've said that, I have a vague memory of playing this at someone else's house when I was little. Really? Not my childminders. Uh, I had a couple of friends who also had Nessies. I didn't mention them previously because I'm, I went to their houses very sporadically. Uh, but I, that does ring a bell. Was one of them called Jason? <laughs> no, it wasn't called Jason. Oh, okay. They weren't called Jason. But maybe it was, I've seen it in a magazine or something. I don't know, but that just... You might, yeah, I mean, it might all click into place. I, I really hope it does, because I, that was a really nice kind of blast from the past that you just mentioned there, that kind of like a image of, of, of Gizmo. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's got me quite excited now for playing this. Okay, good. It is, it's, it's genuinely a good game. So the last game that I did was Green Dog. Yes. That was my last choice. And I had a sense that Green Dog might be good, and I was, I was proven wrong. I think I do feel much better. Maybe we're a bit harsh on Green Dog, but maybe it was it was better than we sold it as being. But yeah, pass. That's probably a better way to say it. That it's even now thinking about it. Okay, maybe I was a bit harsh on it. I don't want to play it again. So maybe we were right. No. Whereas this actually is a good game. I, I'm staking my claim to that. So you're going to say now it's a good I'm game. Saying that it's no. a good game, and it's a good a good film adaptation. Okay. And it was early as well, but it's made by a company called Sunsoft. Do you know Sunsoft? No. Uh, Sunsoft have form, actually, for making good video game, film-to-video game adaptations. They were responsible for uh, two Batman games on the NES, which were very well regarded. Okay. And a slew of others, which now I'm on the spot, I've forgotten what they are, but I promise you they are, and I'll uh, double-check. We'll do and, some research and, and come back to that, yeah. But they did. They, there was a Tasmania game on the SNES that they did, which isn't quite the same thing, but it was, I mentioned it before, to you at least, where he's running along a road. Like a, it's like it's almost like a racing game style point of view, 
and he's running along a road and he has to grab kiwis off the side of the road, kiwi birds off the side <laughs> of the road and such. It's really well done and it's it was for the SNES. One of my friends had that. Like an infinite runner sort of... Uh... Yeah, it's that sort of thing, oh, but it wasn't an infinite. It wasn't infinite. It had right. levels. So yeah, they, they did that as well and it was it's captured the cartoon vibes of, mm-hmm. of Tasmania very well. Was um, it based on the, the TV series where you had a, a yeah. family and lived on the island and... Yeah. I remember that being quite odd when I was little. There were too many characters. Yeah, well, it was part of the Looney Tunes stuff, like with Animaniacs and whatnot. Yeah, Animaniacs were good. Yeah, and I, Tasmania was under the same umbrella. I didn't care for Tasmania. I liked Tasmania. Animaniacs was good, though. You were very straight-laced, though, weren't you? Yeah, I was. I, I so was... why did I like Animaniacs, then? Animaniacs was not straight-laced, was it? I also mm. really liked Freakazoid. Do you remember that? I only know the name. What, what is Freakazoid? Freakazoid was a, it was a very... Um, over the top, zany, wacky, uh, deliberately quite uh, obtuse cartoon that came out. It was there was a, a character. I think it was a, a cartoonist or something. This alien or something inhabited him, and he was it was really over the top. I remember an episode where there was an alien called Moron that landed, and I was watching at my granddad's house, and my granddad got really offended by the use of this alien being called being referring to himself as Moron. And maybe it was a game of that. Maybe we could have a look at that. There quite point. probably was. I, I imagine you know, there probably was. There were a lot. If it was Nickelodeon. Uh, then they were making games of most of the It was like a, I'm sure it was like Warner Brothers cartoon. I remember okay. Steven Spielberg, I'm sure, because he was referenced by a lot of Animaniacs as well. I'm sure there was some thing to do with him, maybe right, like okay. a studio or something. Oh, I don't know. Anyway, we've gone, we can com- have a look. We've gone completely com- com- off tangent. Gremlins 2, the game, is a good game. It's not, it's not really telling the story of the film, other than in a loose way. It does have animation in between levels that tell the story of the film. And actually, those animations are pretty well done remembering that this is on the NES yeah I was just going to say does it looks good on the NES though yes it does yeah you, okay. I think you'll be surprised at how, how good these animations look uh, and we have to come back to that once you've played it because yes. I'm interested to know what your what your view is of, of those animations the, the levels themselves they are quite grey brown sort of drab colours but the actual gameplay itself, I think, lifts the game. So you said it's this isometric looking down, you're, you're, you're targeting a, a specific things. What else does the gameplay consist of? So you are, as I, I said about it, it's loose, very loosely, it, it's akin to Link to the Past, didn't I? Yes. So you are Gizmo, you start off in the film studio, and you are armed with tomatoes. Of course. Now, I thought, and I think this makes more sense, personally, I thought that they were like cherry bombs when I was young. That would make a lot more sense. Yeah, because they actually do some damage. Does he have tomatoes in the film? No, but there is that, that gremlin that is spliced with a tomato. Do you remember that gremlin? I don't. I watched it on 16, 17. That was yeah, well, know, half even... my life ago. I, I don't remember. Oh, my goodness. Well, I watched it. I've had a few sleeps since then. Okay, I probably watched it more recently than that, but I would have remembered that. There were <laughs> a lot... the, the, the strength of Gremlins to the game, the film, was that the Gremlins weren't just Gremlins. They'd been, like, bashed together with all these other different elements. So... Like the fly. <laughs> yeah, it was very much. It's interesting that you say that, because... One of the special effects guys that worked on the first one was going to work on the second one and then got stolen away by the fly. Ah, oh, okay. The Cronenberg. So there is, yeah, yeah. So there is some link there. Yeah, oh. there is, yeah. Um, so what made get... you say about the fly? Because you say about something being spiced with something else. Okay, yeah. The fly. yeah, so it's like That's that. The... Because what you have is, I, I don't know if you remember, it's quite important in some ways. The One of the gremlins was spliced with electricity. And it got into the telephone wires and oh, then into the computer. Oh, that... And they had to lock him into a computer. <laughs> Do you remember that? That sounds so 
so of its time, doesn't it? That does now. Yeah, but it was brilliant, and it still is brilliant. I, I think it is anyway. And another one, the like the leader of the Gremlins becomes the leader of the Gremlins. I can't remember how he ended up this way. He was the brain gremlin. He was he had a very large brain, right? And they so was he splashed with then a brain? I can't remember what he was, Ooh. what how he was, how Hideous. he came to be that way. But he, you might remember this. This might ring a bell. He was played by an with a British accent because it goes in the trope from all those films. That, you know, that was that was the thing, wasn't it? Around then, that baddies were were British. Well, he was a baddie, but he was also clever and therefore British yeah. as well because the British, for all of their dental uh, drawbacks. They're pretty smart people, apparently. Well, uh, apparently. You know, that's the general, you know, Brexit aside. (laughs) (laughs) We used to be known as uh, fairly intellectual, intelligent people. You mentioned the teeth there. It did go through a stereotype, didn't it, with American films where it was the British person that was the bad guy. And I know you and I spoke yeah, like about Yeah, like Ben Kingsley just in everything, or Christopher Lee. Well, I was thinking, obviously, um, Alan Rickman in um, Die Hard as Oh, well. absolutely, yeah. Um, you and I spoke off off the podcast about the third series of Stranger Things, how I, I find it quite unusual about how the Russians the were Russians, bad guys. Yeah. But then you pointed out how actually that was that was the thing when in, it was set, mm. because how they were the, the boogeyman, weren't they? Yeah, they were the boogeyman. So w- were British people the boogeyman in the, the late 80s, early 90s? I don't think we were ever really the boogeyman, no. Does <laughs> it harken back to the... Uh, it, the we were just, the, um, we are... Brit- the Boston Tea Party. Oh, well, yeah, there's a lot <laughs> in, of history. Ingrained in America. Let's not go into the history <laughs> of the British-American conflict because we'd be here all night but there is definitely a history of british villains i think gremlins was playing on that but it's also the intellect in intellectual side right. of it as well that's why he had a british accent there you go there you go let's not delve too too no much let's not put that. too much uh, he was going to be played by tim curry excellent but Always tim curry was too busy playing Pennywise at the time really yeah wow so we lost in one sense and we gained in another. The gains in another, yeah. It, it would have been nice to see Tim Curry in that sort of role. He, I think he would have done it a lot justice. Surely voicing a character is just a case of locking yourself in a studio for a few days and just busting out some lines. There's an actual acting, is there? I think it's a bit lazy. <laughs> I think that maybe you're underestimating the logistics of filming more than one thing at once. I could have just popped into just the studio as, as, as Pennywise. He could have just popped in. He could have done, yeah. yeah that would have been They could have made a reference to it. In yeah, that, could, in exactly. That would have been completely appropriate for a kid's film. That would have Pennywise been Pennywise in. I can't remember if it's the same one or if it's a different one, but another of the gremlins is spliced with a, or maybe the British gremlin, is spliced with arachnid and he grows eight legs. Of course. And actually, that is the big boss at the end of this game. Ah, okay. So it does have those links to the, to the It film. does have these, those links. The first few levels, the enemies that you're fighting are fairly generic le- uh, enemies. So you, you'll have spiders and spiders. Yeah. You'll have bats. Something that's less generic is giant bouncing tomatoes. Yeah, I don't see many of them nowadays, do you? You don't, know. It don't reminds me, the do you remember Revenge of the Killer Tomatoes? I do. And I know previously, we, it was on the Green Dog episode, we spoke about California Raisins. I, for some reason, said completely different things. In my head, California Raisins and Attack of the Killer Tomatoes were kind of the same. Really? And I don't know why. I don't know if maybe there was a reference to them in Attack of the Killer Tomatoes or something. I have no idea. Because that was, wasn't that. The California Raisins all came, it was new information to me. What weren't the Killer Tomatoes? Wasn't that a film from like the the fifties? And then for some reason they made a kids' TV series of it in the nineties. 
Or have I just completely made that up? There was definitely the kids' TV series. Yeah, the kids' that. TV series. There were two films. There was Attack of the Killer Tomatoes and then Revenge of the Killer Tomatoes. And when Tomatoes. did they come out? I think that they might have been... And again, this is very circumspect memories. Yeah. Know? But I think that they maybe have, were set in the 50s. Ah, uh, okay. But they were made in the 80s or the 90s. And were they supposed to be like, tongue-in-cheek or were they... I think they were, yeah. That's they were. They were it was quite ludicrous. Fun adventure. I remember finding it quite scary as a kid. The Attack of the Giant Killer Tomatoes. Cartoon, I mean. I, I never see the sort of You were scared of the cartoon? Yeah, I find okay. it quite scary. These you big, didn't see the film? These big giant tomatoes blobbing around. I don't like tomatoes, so <laughs> I kind of like, actually started yeah, the point. Yeah, okay, fair If it was enough. Attack of the Giant Killer, I don't know, burgers, I'd be all right, but <laughs> maybe. But I don't know. And, and plus it's the mess, isn't it? Who's going to clean the latter? This is true. At least they're not messy in the game. They just bounce around and you can destroy not, them not with your little tomatoes. Right. So you, well, you are gizmo. Questionable. Throwing little tomatoes at the big tomatoes to kill the big tomatoes that's... and the spiders and the bats and the rats. So it's if you think about if you think about again, I said about Link to the Past. One of the first enemies that you'll meet in Link to the Past are the little rats in the yeah. sewers to get into the castle. It's got that sort of adventure, action adventure tropes um, in the same way that Link. To the Past and that's was. good, isn't it? Because if you if you played Link to the Past and then you played this, you sort You'd of feel that, straight yeah. away. You sort of feel at home, aren't yeah. you? Obviously, they were they were released the other way around. So, Link to the ah, Past after. So, did Link to the Past rip off Gremlins too? Um, possibly. <laughs> Probably not. No, almost <laughs> definitely. Actually, <laughs> well, you must have realised that because this is for the NES, and it was released in nineteen ninety. The SNES, the SNES wasn't really knocking anything out at the time. I hadn't twigged that's actually completely right. <laughs> okay, right. I think when did the SNES come out? Was that nineteen ninety? It was around then, wasn't it? You see, I don't know, I, because as I said previously, I didn't get mine until 1997, so... Yeah, when you became cool and had it. I reckon 91, I'm going to put my head out there and say 91. I think it was earlier than that, but so. we, we can have a little look in the break and cheat, can't we? We can. So, what stands out to you in terms of memories of the game itself, like in particular levels that are really good? You've mentioned the boss at the end, the, the eight-legged, fiendish gremlin. Yeah, Anything so else? that isn't a memory. That is something that I've picked up after the fact, because uh, as you'll probably... Not be surprised to hear. I didn't really get past the first two or three levels here. <laughs> right. And why was that? Because I was a kid. I, I oh, said to you, I, instruction manual. I didn't have an instruction manual. Although that's genuinely not a problem because this game is super straightforward. So if it's straightforward, why did you not get past the because third level? Because it was hard for a child of my age. Was this the very first? We said the second You're going to be you eating your words when, when we actually play I this. I probably you, am. Giving me that sort of look that says... How did you not even finish this game? Yeah, and I am pretty bad at games generally. We're so, going to find out. Which is a really good thing to have for a, you know, when you host your podcast about <laughs> games, isn't it? You don't have to be good at them. You just have to like them. That's a fair point. Yeah, while you're failing at them. So you liked this game and failed at it. Why, I, why this, was that? This was one of the games that I liked, yeah. I owned games that I didn't like because I was going in and sort of choosing based on a little picture on the, on the cartridge. Yes. This was one that I bought and did not regret buying. Um, Despite only getting three levels into it. Yes. Okay, let's put that into context. So you got 60% of the way through the game. I got 60% of the way through the game. See, pretty like that, that sounds a lot okay. better, doesn't it? But equally, the game also only takes half an hour to complete for people that are good at it. Right, so it's going to take me, what, three hours to do? You're not going to get through it. I would put money I'm on I'm not going to play through a half hour long game. No, I think you're probably right. I don't think you will, because it's half an hour for people that don't die. Yeah. And have to continue. But you have told me. Well, I didn't know what the game was. You did tell me you have got the passwords to the game so we can jump ahead. Yeah, so if we have to, as we expect. When? Yeah, when you fail to get to the bad baddie at the end, to the big boss, we might skip ahead and have a little look. Is that okay? That sounds good. You don't mind cheating? No. No. 
So the, fir- the the memories that I have of the game are overwhelmingly of the first few levels because I, because I can't have memories of things that I didn't see. You, you can't. That's that's no. that's a scientific fact. You can't have memories of things you've not done. So each of the five levels is say is separated into two sections. Right. And I think that we will have two sections. Then he will either go down into the sewers or go up into the vents. And I think the vent levels are green. Well, they they coloured green, or yeah, they're coloured green. Right. So they, they green tint. level themselves. Yeah, like the floors and the walls, right. they'll be green. Okay, that's interesting. Why have you put this one up so early on in our run? Is it that special? I wanted to go back. I didn't want to jump ahead and sort of end up on the N sixty four or anything like that. I wanted to start at the beginning, and actually, the beginning for me was the NES. I I got this console. I think I mentioned earlier. I, I got this console for Christmas when I was probably about four or five years old. Right. And so that would have been, when would that have been? 1992, that would have been. I only had a few games. One of the games that I got, we've talked about previously, Crackout. Yes. Um, I got that for Christmas from my nana. Then I also got a game called Totally Rad, which we will definitely get to. Totally Rad, that's very dated, isn't it? Yes. So, so that, Totally Rad would have been the game for today, had it not been, been for the fact that we talked about two... And cool about games. the 90s and what yes. have you previously. So it, it fitted very well and it was one of the first games that I ever got because I got it for Christmas the same year that I got my NES. Gremlins 2 is a solid game. I also, I didn't want to talk about a game that like. I wanted to talk about something that I have fond memories of and that actually I want, I wanted to, after, after being somewhat disappointed yourself by Green Dog, I wanted to put something forward that I thought you might actually enjoy. That sounds good. And this was, you said it was the the first, the second game you got, but the, is it sort of... This isn't the second game I got. Do you think this is maybe the first game you got where you were, you really enjoyed it then, or you really liked it? No, Crackout was the first game that I got that I right, really enjoyed. Okay. And so why are we playing Crackout then? We'll Crackout? come to Crackout, don't you worry about oh, that. Oh wow, an hour long podcast about Crackout. No, Crackout's good. Crackout's really good. <laughs> Marking your calendars, everyone. The point is, Gremlins. <laughs> no, honestly, Crackout is good. Oh yes, it is. It's a good little game, but you know, we're, it's going to be difficult to talk you are gonna be... about a little ball and a paddle. No, it's not. There's a lot going on with Crackout. Well, let's not, let's realize, not talk yeah. about it. Let's too, not get let, too let, far let's ahead. Let's not spoil that This episode. is not about Crackout. Yeah. Honestly, though, you will be you will be surprised at how much is going on with Crackout. You will be less surprised about how much is going on with Gremlins too. I think. I think that if you're expecting whatever you're expecting, based on what I've told you, it's probably going to just deliver that. But that's not a problem. It's a solid. It's a solid little game. It is very well uh, thought of within Gremlin circles, and that's people that like the film or like the franchise in and of itself. And it's very well regarded. Uh, by game by gamers generally. What what's Gremlin Circles? Sure, there's just two films. What? No, there's not. No. Well, there is. There's there's Gremlins and Gremlins Two. Yeah, but like there is a Gremlins Three in the works. Is there? There is. But is it's been in the works. Have been, yeah, it's been, it's the been in the works for, for a while. The last yeah. that I heard about it was 2016. Right. And they were talking about the different scripts that they were writing. Right, okay. One was going to be set in Las Vegas. Another one was going to be a bit darker, a bit grittier. Right. Um. enough. You never know with with Gremlins. I would say I think they could do something yeah. off the wall, and it would still. I mean, this fair, film is ain't. I'll eat my words a bit there. I remember when the um, social network was first announced, and everyone was going, "Oh, Facebook movie, oh, that sounds awful." And yeah, then actually, actually that's quite good. look how that turned out. Yeah. So we will see. The most recent news is that actually there is going to be an animated television set. Uh, it's called The Secret of the Mogwai. Do you remember the shopkeeper? Mr. I do Wing? remember. Yes. Yeah. So it's going to follow Mister Wing as a boy, right? When he meets the Mogwai for the first time. That sounds awful. 
Do you think so? An animated TV series about uh, the twenties about Mogwise. I, I can't yeah, really, about I can't really see kids going for that. To be honest, are you joking? No, I'm not joking. I'm I'm deadly serious. Oh well, I think you're going to be wrong. There's there's all sorts of things that kids go for. Kids are very open minded, unlike you. There's lots of things that you think on paper would sound bad that actually turn out to be good. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I, I'm kind of expecting it to have a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles vibe without hope, the ninja. I hope it doesn't go for Attack of Killer Tomatoes vibe because that will just scare me again. Well, that is your... If you don't watch it, then that's your, your loss, isn't it? But you're not... <laughs> you asked me about the Gremlins community and actually there is a Gremlins community. There's a website called Gremlins Online where you can subscribe to, to the website and it will send out new news. And the latest news came out this month, I think. The news of Secret of the Mogwai, hmm. the latest on that came out in July. So it's like oh, a fairly okay. current thing. And people are still pushing for Gremlins 3. I don't think a Gremlins 3 would be a bad idea. I, I don't think, think it would be at all. I just, you know, you say about the Gremlins community. I was just intrigued. You didn't to know, know there was a Gremlins No, community. I did not know there was a And they talk about the games. Because it's not just Gremlins and Gremlins. Gremlins, the game, came out way before the NES uh, existed. And then Gremlins 2 came out and then NES the Game Boy. There was a Wii game called Gizmo. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, so it it's so still, it's still kind of sort of permeating, sort of products are sort of dropping in every sort of few years or whatever. Yeah, it's not like I don't know. There are there are some franchises that get absolutely rinsed. Yeah, at, at all times they're constantly being pushed in our faces. Yes. And Gremlins isn't one of those, but it's always like in the under trickling life. I'm sure it's never said about Alvin the Chipmunks where they met Mogwai as well. Really? They? Yeah, do you remember Alvin the Chipmunks had that whole series where they met different. Film characters? No. I hope I made that up. No, no I, I don't, don't you have. I, I'm sure that that probably happened. And I'm sure there was one where they met Gizmo. We need we need to find out about that. Was Alvin and the Chipmunks not... There were too, way off time. There were too many TV series of Alvin and the Chipmunks. There were too many. And, and I didn't... There were too many. And I didn't like it. I don't know why I watched it. Cause it I was, was just... I liked Alvin and the Chipmunks. But oh. what I th- always thought was that Alvin and the Chipmunks was one of those things that was made way back that was repeated like Captain yeah. Caveman. No, I'm... I'm Caveman. That was the... Hanna Barbera, yeah, or Scooby Doo for people who don't oh, know Captain Caveman. Yeah, now, I, I don't like those, but I thought oh. Alvin and the Chip. I thought it was one of those that was from way back that, that was then repeated. repeated. Is it not that syndication? As I believe they call it in America. Okay. Uh, no, I'm, I'm sure there was a, a, a new series, like a, 90s like a mid nineties. I say new, uh, a series in the mid nineties when when women nippers, where they met different characters. I've got in my head, I've got a, uh, a recollection of an episode where they met Frankenstein's monster, for example. That was something we have to look into. Anyway, we've gone completely off tangent. We have. Shall we get on with playing the game, or shall I get on with playing the game, and yeah. then we can feed back uh, to everyone afterwards about what it's like, and if it still holds up? That sounds good to me. Lovely. See you in part two. Christopher, you have now experienced pretty much the full gamut of Gremlin stuff. Yes. What do you think that to that game? was a very good game. So, well done. Good choice. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, what, what did you like about it then? It was great. It was really fun to play, which ultimately should be the point of the game, shouldn't it? Yeah. We just had to look on a YouTube video because I didn't quite get to the end. Uh, there is a run through the game of 22 minutes, which is quite something. Yeah, to which ha- is off the top of my head. I said to you that it would be, 
it would probably be doable yeah. in about half an hour. But to do a game in 22 minutes is very, very impressive. Yeah. I, I mean, would... obviously, I know the speed running and all that sort of stuff where, you know, complete Breath of the Wild in quarter of an hour by doing this, this and this. But the actual proper game doing 22 minutes is brilliant. It was... We talked about how the structure was really good. So there was only something. There were there were four levels with two stages for each level, wasn't there? So before you say that, yeah, there, there will be people out there who might listen to this and think twenty two minutes for a game. Yeah, what a rip off! Justifiable. I don't think it is justifiable. Justifiable in terms of the length, if that's what you're going for. You know, the amount of money I want to play for a game, do I want to get a sprawling epic out of every game? I would say that I would rather pay a certain amount of money for a game that I get a lot of enjoyment out of. Mm. Uh, you and I have spoke previously about the game Minute, for example. Yes. Uh, which I bought last summer, and uh, it was on sale on the Switch for about six or seven pounds, and it was it was fun while it lasted, but I got about, I'd say, a couple of hours worth of gameplay out of it, and I completed the game, and I, I did a few of the secrets and stuff, and I didn't feel that was particularly good value for money. Whereas if I'd paid six, seven pounds for Gremlins, 22 minutes, arguably I, I could feel, you know, yes, I haven't got much in terms of time out of it, but actually that game that I did play was really, really fun. And I genuinely would pay six, seven pounds for that game because I really enjoy playing that. The reality is that that game was was selling for more than that. This is true. And that's the thing is, though, point. I don't think that the game is made to be a 22-minute game. I, I think that... No, that's very much a, a sort of a... a someone that's learned the game. Definitely. Yeah. And watching it just now, we were very amazed at how the person playing the game was bipping from platform to platform really, really quickly, far quicker than I could do. So it is someone who knew the game inside out and, and could get through it in a quicker time. But ultimately, that's what speedrun is, really. Yeah, I'm not even sure... You, you sort of alluded to it. I don't think that person was speedrunning. I, I think they were just playing the game, but they learnt it so well. Yes. The design of the game, I think, takes that into account. It takes into account, yes, the game, if you are the best of the best at it, you've learnt the game inside out, is going to take you half an hour. But the process of getting to the point where you are good enough to play from start to finish without dying in half an hour, yes. that is the game. It's that process of learning and refinement and getting better and, and getting eventually good enough to do that. And what really impressed us playing the game is how the game very gradually does build up those skills. So and that's what you was going to say. Exa- exactly. Yeah. So you start off and you're in this, um, what was it, like a laboratory? I don't really know what that first level is. No, had carpets. So I think it might be like the, uh, the the film is, and the game is set in the, in the television studio. And I think it might be sort of like a the almost. office area of right. the that would kind of, of make te- sense. That's television studio, maybe like one of those where it sort of fills in the gaps in the story. Do you remember? Do you ever play the the Matrix game on the PS2? Reloaded. Enter the Matrix. Was it? Enter the Matrix. No, yeah. I, I bought my brother for it, it the, for Christmas for his Xbox. And what's he think of it? I don't know. He, he's not really. They made a big Ferrari about how it fills in kind of uh, gaps in the story, and then they'd. The Wachowskis had purposely left out bits of the story to be put into the game and to make this big kind of extended universe. And, and then the game was apparently terrible. Yeah. So my question was, are Gremlins 2 doing the same thing with this or am I putting far too much? I think he's in? putting too I much. I think I am too. Too much. Anyway, so you start off in this laboratory area, the, the whatever it was. An orangey beige area. An orangey beige area. With holes in the floors. Um, don't all orangey beige areas have holes in the floors? Do yours not? Well, most office areas have... Yeah, gaping holes in the floor. Where the chairs were like worn away at it and yeah. threadbare. And there were some enemies scattered about, and uh, you had a very basic weapon, but you then 
by going through the level and it was sort of gradually changed how the platform the, was structured. The basic weapon is a tomato. Like it, we, it is. We that. We you start off with tomatoes as your weapon. Which was unusual. But then at the end of that level, you then get a matchstick, which can shoot flame, which is unusual because you can use it more than once. But the flame goes a bit further than tomatoes it's do. It's game logic. It is game logic. And then... I was then able to pick up a power-up for the matchstick that then sent flames going out in three directions, up above Gizmo, down below Gizmo, and whichever direction Gizmo was facing. It very much gradually, the weapons changed and built up so that you were constantly refining how you used it and improving it and getting better. We we jumped ahead to the last level of the game, and at the last level, uh, Gizmo has a bow and arrow, and I noticed the bow and arrow could then kill any enemy that previously yeah. were harder, Well, then it's one-hit kill. So the weaponry gradually built up to match your skills but the platforming we were on the was it the fourth level it was wasn't it the fourth level where it was rather than just being jump from platform to platform it was jump from platform to platform diagonally but also taking into account there were some spiky balls that were going around and there was also some moving platform as well so it was very much yeah taking what you'd learned previously and refining it and and it was really fun to play in that way yeah so there, there were a few different ways that the game put you under pressure. Yes. And and that was one of them. So it starts off in, in that office area and the jumping over holes is quite straightforward. You have to do it, but it's it's really you just press in one direction and jump. And you can and, and press jump as yes. well. And you jump over the hole. And then in the next level it changes so that you are challenged at at one point or, or a couple of points to jump diagonally yes, over a hole. Which I found very tricky. Which is a little bit more a, a little bit more tricky it than is. jumping uh, over a hole with one direction button pressed down, and then the next level it asks you to do that diagonal jump, but on the other side of the hole there was a an obstacle, so there was one of those moving uh, spiky balls that you get all the time in real life. It, well, yeah, but yeah. also in Legend of Zelda, I think. And uh, yeah, yeah. So you might be able to see where my brain was going. Ball. Sorry. Robotic ship in the first level of Sonic yes, 1. Yeah, so they, they pop up in place. They do. And then uh, I think the level after that was the level where there was the gremlin, the, the very big gremlin that was shooting fire at you. Oh, that was awful. And you had to jump over a hole to get onto a platform so that you could then shoot him with your matchstick to kill him. But I did hack that, didn't I? Yeah, you had yeah, you hacked that with the balloon that allows you to float past enemies and over yeah. the holes. Yeah. So you get this one use balloon, so if you fall in a hole you then he floats down, Gizmo floats down holding this balloon, so you can then float over some of the level, which is a really nice way to, to lead you back into it. So I used it to float past this particular enemy. Uh, each time I tried the that level, it's a hand holding gesture, isn't it? It is, it's a, it's and it a... works really well because it fits the level and the, yeah. the game and and the the uh, atmosphere. Not atmosphere, that's the wrong word. The universe of Gremlins. The Absolutely, fact that the, yeah. the Gizmo would be holding onto this balloon, it yeah. was it was really cute. Yeah, and that's that's one of the ways that the this the game design actually it's quite transparent when you when you are age. But in in 1990 or, or 1992 93 when I would have been playing it. It, it's sort of holding your hand to try and build up the challenge so that you can get used to things. Definitely. And, but it's also, it is challenging you. At each step, you've been challenged ever so slightly more. Yes. So it's pushing you ever so slightly further. And when you are a, a five-year-old child trying to take this challenge, you might actually be challenged by that first hole, but eventually you'll overcome it and eventually you will learn to do the next set sort of hole and the next sort of hole and the next sort of hole. And it was doing that in a, in a few different ways. The holes were the most obvious way. And linked to that, 
you know, I've said previously about how few levels there were. Each separate area stage where everyone's called they had its own password. So on this one with the gremlin that was firing fireballs at you, I died several times. And each time I you, you died, you've, you've got the usual kind of three heart life system. Each time I died, it came with a, a screen continue or go back to the main menu with a password. So I asked actually how the passwords works. And it seems that each time each stage had a separate password. So even if I died, I, you know, go back to the, the, the the main screen, type the password in, I'm straight back where I started. There was there was no real punishment, really. And there was no actual life system. So beyond typing your, your three hearts, once you died, you then just restart the level again. And that was, that was yeah, fine. Yeah, it let you continue it, straight from it the... It did. Yeah. It did away with the whole life system that a, a lot of games had and arguably still have. And I thought it was really good because, like you say, as a child, you could just dip straight back in. You've not got to play the game up to that level, which a lot of the games I had, you had to do. Yeah. Boom, you're straight into it. And then if you die again, well, that's it. Just restart because there's no life system or anything clunky that's uh, preventing you from starting to At least as far as I know, it's quite unusual as well. I would say so, yeah. That time. It, it usually, again, as far as I know, in my memories, games were always uh, often based around life systems. They were quite punishing life systems, so that if you ran out of lives, you weren't just back to the dear beginning of the level, you were back to the beginning game of the over. game a lot of the time. Yes. For for a game like Gremlins 2 to decide to do away with that, I actually think was quite quite forward thinking again. Yeah. We, we talked, what was it? It was Which little, little Kid Mode on Toad Jam 2. We yeah, so, so in the same thinking. way we talked about Little Kid Mode in, in Toad Jam 2 in the first episode. It's accessibility, isn't it? It's accessibility. Yeah. And, and I didn't realise that it existed in that way. I didn't really think about it like that. But it was probably one of the reasons that I didn't really mind hammering away at that game. And I did hammer away at the game. I said in the first half that actually I only probably got to level 3-1 at the maximum. I certainly never Which got was to the end. further than I got playing through just now. But how long were you playing? Not that long. Not that long, no. I was playing it sort of every time I every time <laughs> I came back from nursery I was right. or, or wherever <laughs> I was. I was back on Gremlins for weeks, if not months, if not a couple of years. So. And do you remember it ever being a chore? Do you remember it always being a delight to I play? always remember it being hard. Right. But I wanted to play it. And you actually said when you were playing, I asked you, do you want to skip ahead? And you said, no, I just want one more go Yeah, at this it, level. It was very much that one more go, which I would say is the mark of a, a good game. That, yeah, that, I the, think the, so, yeah. When a game, Green Dog, for example, I know we keep mentioning about Green Dog because we're only a few episodes into this podcast now, but Green Dog was one where I died at one point and I said, no, that's it, I'm, I'm not interested. I wasn't. I didn't want to play it anymore because I was just fed up of it. Whereas Gremlins 2, I wanted to do better. How short the levels were as well, it was very bite-sized and, and I knew that if I tried again, I could get past the level. Actually, it turned out I didn't, so we had to skip ahead using passwords. But that's by the by. <laughs> yeah, that is by the by. The game the game is set up. The the level is challenging. It knows it's challenging, but the the game isn't the levels in the sequence that it gives you them. It's it's the challenge that it offers and how you respond to that challenge. That's the game. Yes. And if you want a real world it, not a real world. If you want a modern equivalent, I'd say I'd mention I'd suggest some kind of roguelike. So if you think Rogue Legacy or Hollow Knight, which is a fantastic game if nobody's played it. Both of those in fact are very good games. But Rogue Legacy, where you're thrown into the castle over and over again, you die, you end up at the beginning again, you're slightly better, and you go back into the castle. It it's randomly generated, but for intents for all intents and purposes, it's the same castle. Yeah. With the same monsters, the same challenges. 
that's what the gameplay cycle of Gremlins 2 is. At the beginning of the game, you figure out how to do these things. They're very fairly basic, it's very bare bones, isn't it? It's you and, you and some tomatoes. Yeah, you and yeah. some tomatoes. You get past the tomatoes, you start to learn about the tomatoes, how to use the tomatoes, how to kill the big tomatoes. Yeah, with the small tomatoes. And then that becomes a little bit easy. And then you get the matchstick with the infinite light and yeah. you can... That becomes easy. So get... that first level, at some point in your game playing experience, will become easy. You'll be able to breeze through it and then you're on to the more challenging things on the second and the third level. And and that is the way that the game is designed. It's not designed to be breezed through there will not have been that many people that will have breezed through it from the off. Yeah. They will have had to learn the game. That is how it was designed. I think it's... I, I honestly can't get over how well how executed well that game is. is. And that leads us nicely on to how you told me about the credits of the game while we watched the credits at the yeah. end. It was developed by how many people? Nine people. What? Eight people, actually, in, this, in so much as one of the credits is a thanks to... I wonder what so, that person did. Yeah, I really don't know. Made the he tea. is credited on... I mentioned Batman, didn't I? Yes. I mentioned that Sunsoft made Batman. That person... I don't know if I've got his name in front of me. Yes, I have. S.P. Tarka. Or S.P. SP Tarka. He is credited... Super something. I don't know. I can't go with him with P. Okay, so something... But that's by the by. Yeah. He is credited yeah. as a designer on the first Batman game that they made. But in this one, he's just thanks. He's a thanks too. So presumably he lent a hand with some kind of ga- a game design element. Yeah, made the tea. Maybe he made the tea. Yeah. One of the two, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but the the point is that there were eight people that put this game together. Three of them worked on the music, which is better than I remembered. When we went off mic earlier to start playing the game, I said to Chris, I forgot to mention the music because I, I remember it as being very repetitive. But actually, each level had its own uh, soundtrack, and they were pretty good. They were upbeat, they, yeah. upbeat melodies, weren't they? Yeah. It's, it, I can't remember if it was in particular, but it was one where the music was sort of, not egging me on, but it really, it was pumping me. Yeah, better pumping phrase. you up. <laughs> pumping Yeah, there me. are probably better phrases. Yeah, it was, it was egging me on. Yeah, so... That that was the responsibility of three people on that eight person team. So nearly so more 50% than percent of yeah, exactly. <laughs> there were two designers on on that team who presumably were responsible, and SP Tucker, yeah, who were presumably responsible. I, for... I'm not counting. That's what three out of eight. Yeah, that's what I'm getting my fifty yeah. percent. I'm not getting my one that's extra. Th- my maths th- is correct. Thirty three percent. Yeah, thank you. So yeah, let's not worry about the maths. So there were two game designers that were probably largely responsible for putting that game together. And they nowadays, damn good job. when you get games that have got a very small crew, like you, I know you get games that are made by one person, two people, yes, Stardew three Valley. people, Stardew Valley, one person. There was um, that Dragon Cancer was done by uh, yes. husband and wife team, yeah. wasn't it? Mm. And then Ooblets, Ooblets which, is coming up. Yeah. Uh, time of recordings, August two thousand and nineteen. Post Ferrari. Uh, yeah, that's all kicked off, and uh, I really hope everything sorts itself out. But yeah. Uh, there are games where I'm sure there's games that we've not talked about that have got a small team, but in my opinion, it's often a, not a marketing tool, but it's like a it's a now mark, it is. isn't it? You know, this game has been made by yeah. these few people. This game has been made by these two people or whatever. Well, it was to find a game that's made by eight people yeah. in 1991 is I think it's brilliant. Well, I th- I think that it was probably fairly standard for smaller teams to be the norm at, at that time. So do you think they split the development of you know, within that sort of studio, they had eight people work on this game, eight people work on that game, just to sort of pump them out as quickly as possible. No, I don't think they were. I think right. Sunsoft were quite proud of their output. I, rightly so. I don't know. Based on that. I should have looked this up, but this always happens. You get asked questions yeah, that you haven't thought thought of ahead of time. But 
Um, they were quite quite proud of their output. They wanted to do a good job. They were doing a good job by all accounts. I think that the studio it wasn't a, it wasn't a two hundred person studio, which is fairly standard now. It is yes. It was a it was a handful of people working as quite a close team. Yeah, which arguably could be better, couldn't it? Having that small team there working together. Yeah. The other thing to note is that they were doing this. They were making these games. I know that they're somewhat rudimentary compared to the games that are being put out now. I'm just going to rephrase make- that. I, I'm not arguably it's better. That's that's again. I'm not proud of that statement. Could it be argued that it's better with eight people? Debatable. What? That a game made by eight people, it could be argued is better than a team a game by made by two hundred people. I'm yeah. not sure. Arguably, that could be better. So I, I don't. I, I assume that you were talking. I assume that you were talking about sort of the work dynamic, the way that things. So you would have known every single person on your team. Yeah, I remember watching a, a documentary. No, it wasn't a documentary. Sorry, about the development of Lemmings, which is a game I do want to talk about in a future episode. Mm. It was a well. It's interesting that you bring a, it up a because it's actually Sunsoft about uh, Lemmings, and the guy talked about how they did first. I think there was only five, six people, and he, he gave you this this tour around the office. He had these photos, and he showed you how they developed. And he said that the fact they could work together, that they were in a room together with all the mm. computers set up around the edge. And you could you could literally call over. You could just say to the chap who was doing this part of it, "Oh, can you just work on this for me?" And and that really brought them together, mm. closely knit them. And you can tell playing Lemmings that well, I could tell playing it back in the day the quality of it, and I think the quality of Gremlins too comes through because because of that dynamic. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I interrupted you there. I apologise. It's fine. I interrupted you because I, I wanted to retract my previous it was erroneous to say statement that Sunsoft published. Lemmings. Really? Yeah, what Mega Drive, SNES. I think pretty much every platform that was oh, on, definitely the Mega, Mega Drive and the SNES and the Game Boy, all were published by Sunsoft. Right. In fact, the Mega Drive had, I don't know, I've never played the Mega Drive version, but I think this is correct. Mega Drive had a set of secret levels that were called the Sunsoft levels. Oh, so you, you had Sunsoft level one, Sunsoft, Sunsoft level two. Well, so Sunsoft so, designed their own levels for Lemmings then? I don't know who Drive. designed them, but it right. went out on the Mega Drive version as a special set of secret that, levels. It's a good little fact. We could look that. more about that. Uh, I mean, presumably you said that we're going to be talking about it, so might be Oh, yes, to, spoiler. Yeah, might, yeah. <laughs> might be something to, to look at for that episode. Yeah, definitely. What was I talking about when you interrupted so me? So we talking about small team dynamic and how it yeah. affects the game. So you said about it's better or it's not. I, I understand why you are taking that back, but equally I do think that um, in a general work sense, it's easier to work in a small yeah. team. You you get to know your game, you, you get to know your product, and if you are only having to deal with two, or in this case, one other designer, you're far more likely to talk to each other. Definitely. You know, there. I mean, it's obvious that there are far more designers involved in a single game than we're probably working in the industry. Maybe that's too <laughs> too hyperbolic. But no. that in one single game these days, there'll be so many game designers working yeah. on it that there's a chance that they probably don't talk to each other. We've gone off on a big tangent. I did bring up beforehand, I said that in my head, the game has echoes of Link to the Past. What do you think of that, one, and... Does the game remind you of anything else that you know? So Link to the Past has been a game I did play, but a long time after it came out, I can't even remember when I, came, when I played it, but it was, I would say, easily in 2000. So I've been honest, I played it once. I don't really remember a great deal about the game. Link's Awakening, by contrast, which I know used a similar gameplay, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, I did play that an awful lot. And yes, it has got the same perspective, the same top-down. The gameplay is quite similar. The 
the, the, the yeah, way you fire the weapon. Is. You said that you'd researched the fact this was called an, an action game, didn't you? Yeah. And then you, what was the definition of an action game? So an action game was a game that involves use of accuracy in movement, in particular. Yeah. Uh, quick decision making, which I think he did have there. Definitely. He certainly had decision making. There were yes. there were choices to be made throughout the game. Uh, reflexes, so yeah. having quick reflexes. And timing, being able to time jumps, being able to time throws. Like that. So we then discussed about the, I don't really like this word personally, but the Metroidvania type games that they would be classed as action games because they, they follow that mould, don't they, would you say? Yeah, action exploration yeah. things. Maybe that's why people use the word Metro, Metroidvania as a, a shorthand, because yeah. action exploration clunky, isn't it? It is, yeah, but so is Metroidvania. Well, it is. Yeah. But it's not the best word. No, it isn't. No, not at all. I, I like... Actually, the refinement that you just put forward, that it's not necessarily linked to the past, like, but it's more likely. So what's the difference between those two games that links linked to the past and Link's Awakening? Very little, I think, but there's more... I mean, there, there's the rock's feather in Link's Awakening, is what I um, think. Where immediately, as you said it, I thought, oh yeah, actually, right. the jumping mechanic from yeah. the two games is similar. And uh, also the palette, the colour palettes. Obviously, the Link's Awakening was on the Game Boy. Game Boy originally, yes. If you play it on... A Super Game Boy, I think. And again, this might be one of these things that I'm misremembering. But I think that it's it... like Peavis and Butthead and Knuckles. Yeah, exactly. Peavis and Knuckles. Yeah. Butthead and Knuckles. <laughs> Knuckles and Butthead. It's a game that never was. <laughs> it would have been better. I stand by that. Um, I, I think that the Super Game Boy for certain games, it added a rudimentary colour palette to the games. I might be misremembering. I certainly know that there was... Link's Awakening DX. Which yes, was there the was. Game Boy, Game Boy Color. There was far more color than I remember it. But anyway, the color palettes. The color palettes between the two, I think, were similar. Complementary, perhaps. The design of the textures felt similar. Yeah. The boxed inness of the of the levels felt similar. It was quite linear, wasn't it? But yeah. within that, there was deviation. It felt from a that little it. bit. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Sorry, that I interrupted. I knew what no, you were no, going to say. It was somewhat linear, but equally mazy at times. Yeah, so that's a good way. There was it. there was an element of of labyrinth to it, yes. but not too. Much. Yeah, and actually that that to me ring with the the dungeon in Zelda games, and actually Link's Awakening probably more so. You just talked on. Uh, let's just go back to how you touched on color there, because we talked about the color, the use of it in the game as well. It was mm. very. The first level was very washed out, quite orangey, beigey colour, but then yeah. the, the sewers were green, which They're not sewers, they're vents. Vents, of course, I told the difference. You. Yes, I told you, you did. It just looked really nice, didn't it? Yeah, and again, there was variety from level to level, wasn't there? So we had we had the beigey of the first the, uh, couple of sequences, yes. and then you moved into the vents, and it, they were green, which, frankly, is a sewer colour. So yeah. uh, I totally understand why that keeps cropping up. Are sewers green in real life? Sewers, not really, but in games no. they tend to be, don't they? Usually like brown and yellow, I'd imagine. I had a little go of Bad Dudes vs. Dragon Ninja a Bad couple dudes of days versus ago. Dra- Have you not heard of that? No. Okay, but so it I was cool. <laughs> exactly. So I was testing that out to see if we should do it for this episode, and I opted against it, but that one has a sewer and it's green. Wow. So there was another game that I tried Mission Impossible on the NES. Right. So Mission Impossible. You go down in the sewers, guess what green? colour? Green? Green, yeah. So is sewers just, are green. Is it just NES games that have green no, sewers? No, I think there? I think that the sewers are green. I think real, sewers are green. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. You can't tell me that these developers, Didn't these artists, the 
weren't going out and checking the colour of sewers before they put them in If they games. didn't, I'm very disappointed. They, def- they definitely were. That's why they're all green. I've People been probably, sewer, but... I'll tell you what was probably happening. Here's a little skit for you, right? Yeah. Oh, good skit. So, there's the developers for the first game that's ever going to use a sewer, and they're like, here, John, what, what colour is a sewer? He goes, hey, aren't, aren't they like brick colour, like brown or something? Maybe grey? Bit pooey? Maybe? I, I don't know. Should we check? Yeah, all right, we'll check. They go down, and they go in the sewer, it's yeah. bloody green. So, first game with a sewer in, green, right? Then every, every office, every, every development time, Every studio, Tom, Dick and Harry. After that, they go, do you remember that game that did those sewers that were green? What are they on about? Right? Yeah. And then they go, we should probably go check what colour sewers are, shouldn't we? And they check, blooming green. Green. So every time, it's probably like they're going down the sewers. Do you think it's because green just looks nice on the screen? And probably it was one of the best colours, just I'm, like one of the nicest. I'm saying that, but it's not actual realistic I, interpretation. I would say it's just because it looks good. I, I think so. Johnny Developer was going down and checking everything. Good old Johnny Developer. <laughs> I look forward to hearing about Johnny Developer's exploits in a future episode. Of all the things to come into my mind, did you ever watch, when you were a child, that education programme called Come Outside? Do you remember that? Was that the one with the lady in the plane? The lady yeah, in the yeah, plane. Yeah, Pippin, the, the spotty the plane and Pippin the dog, yeah. yeah. Do you remember she the was episode? In, um, oh, she was in um, Opal Hours, wasn't she? I have no idea. I hate Opal Hours. Hours but Is that, that one the little shop? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, she was in that. Well, excellent. Good for her. Yeah. I don't know that. I do know that she was in Come Outside, and there was an episode of Come Outside. Where she went down the sewers. Where she went down the sewers. Wow, what a career highlight. She learned all about how sewers work. Was it good? I think I've seen it at least twice, <laughs> so it must have been. She, she put the, in the. Uh, in, I don't remember them being green. She put it in the description, the YouTube link to it. People, I might have if they to, want yeah. to have a look. Yeah, come outside for anyone that hasn't seen it. Anyone probably outside of Britain won't have seen Come Outside. It's it going to be great. really strange. Just this crazy eccentric lady dropping uh, down a sewer, <laughs> riding around in a plane with a with a dog, dog Pippin. Yeah, it's a sunbury. I'm sure isn't there's it? worse things. Magic school bus. Yeah, that was... I used to swallow much. No, I, I did like Magic School Bus, but that's the American equivalent of Come Outside. With, with It's even got the entertainment aspect. That was a strange little program, Ed, wasn't it? Education element. Edutainment. Even. It was edutainment. Yeah. yeah. School Bus shrunk outside. down, then went into someone's body. That's the one I, that springs from mine straight to yes! the one where they went yeah, inside someone. Yeah. Did you ever see the film Inner Space? Is that the one with Thingy in? The lady. The actress. There's definitely an actress. Yep, there's an actress. In there's one. an actor as well. There's no, there's no. There is. What's the actress called? I brought it? it up for a reason. I, just, I, I don't know who, who is it. That's in we're it. not going to know. Meg Ryan. Meg Ryan. Is Might it Meg be. Ryan? Might be. I don't know. I don't remember. Well, Sorry. I hope it is. I knew that was going to happen as well. Yeah. Because I don't know actresses when I see them on the. Who's the actor on the in TV? It, Can't remember. Brilliant. So this is a good. It's not the those. important bit. Okay. Do you remember earlier that I told you the special effects guy? Yes, from The Fly. Left Gremlins 2 to go work on The Fly. Did he star in Inner Space? He he worked on Inner Space. Really? Yeah. God, what a what a strange little world. Yeah. Did he drive Magic the School bus, bus on Magic School Bus? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was yeah, he was... the person they went inside? <laughs> yeah, that that was that was the same guy. Oh my days. Yeah, yeah he just liked being in things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just like being in things. Oh dear. I don't I don't mean it in that way. Okay. Oh that's all right then. I think that's all right. We'll in get away with that. Entertainment things. Oh, right. You yeah. like being in things. I yeah. See. Okay. I think that's fairly obvious. That's what that's I meant. Fine. I wish I remembered his name. We should have checked at the... At the well, uh, you had Johnny Developer before. Maybe he's Johnny Special Effects. The point is, Johnny Developer and all of his mates that have made sewer games, 
Green. They should have just watched come outside when they, they were should have done, and then they would have known more for them. Yeah, or instead we've had to live with green sewers forever. Even worse, green insides of vents. As happened in this game. As happened. Let's, in this let's game. go back on to Gremlins Two, shall we? Yeah. So we did skip ahead, didn't we? We did because that was a level that wasn't too very good at, so we had to jump ahead. Yes, because, and but that's not that's to be expected because the game, as I've, as I've tried to establish, let's go with that. at length is designed around you building up it your is. resilience and your skill. So we jumped ahead to the third stage, which was set inside a TV studio, which I found a little bit confusing. But then you pointed out that that was because that's what happens in the film. Yeah. And there was a, a large gremlin shooting pineapples at me, which I found very confusing. But then we realised it was because it was on a set as part of the level. Um, and you which said comes out of the film, yeah. Cause part they, of the cookery show yeah, segment. She, so actually, she, that does link in with the film it quite does. nicely. And the, the, the animation sequences um, are, are probably where it links the film more strongly but before we move on from that level i just want to say something that i wasn't cognizant of when i was a child was how good the sprites are Mm, in the game yeah Uh, the first time i noticed it was where was the very beginning actually when you were waddling around as gizmo and his ears ears, yeah little bobbing his ears were bobbing around They, they look brilliant but particularly in that that level with the cameras that were in the level just as little what were they doing then? Were they just there? They were they were they were animated. They just looked really nice. They they had a lot of detail to them and they were sort of bobbing up and down. Oh did that's that. Moving. Oh. oh you mean the bit yeah, sorry, but I'm with you now. Yes, they were, they were bobbing up and down. Yeah. But yeah. they looked they moved the really nice. They were really well drawn. There was a big sort of um space odyssey type computer. Yes, there was. That, that was looked the... lovely as well. That was in the very last level, wasn't it? I think that was in the yeah, last level, yeah. There was all sorts of really nice little elements that I just wasn't aware of when I was younger. They didn't take it into just... No, I wasn't taking it Absolutely. that's the amount... Again, tiny little um, team putting out really high quality... Putting these details in that actually don't add anything to the gameplay, but they they certainly add something to the the atmosphere of it. Yeah. Well done, then. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely that. Can we talk about Mr. Wing's shop and how that mechanic works? Uh, So... It's a, a door that magically pops up in the levels and you go in and you can buy different power-ups which help you get through the levels. Yeah. That was a really nice structure. It didn't actually explain what each power-up did in no. the game. Quite confusing. Yeah. Yes. But we've established no, you were playing that no game. Manual. Exactly. Yeah. You were playing that game like I would have been playing Cold. that game without reading the manual. It would have all been in the manual. Yeah. Smart kids read the manual if they had it. I always did, so... Well, I didn't, because I didn't have them. (laughs) What was... Did you jot down the The, amazing sentence that... Yes, yeah. What was it he said? So, uh, when you go into the shop, it asks you a question. What item would you like? And the the, uh, the responses you can give are yes and no. (laughs) I don't know. I wish I I pressed no, just out of curiosity to see what what happened. Kicked her out of the shop. Oh, what it's really asking is, would you like to buy an item? It is. Translation error. I think... I, yeah, I suppose. There's not much to translate in this game. And yet... And yet, somehow, they that, was, that was still messed up. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, the, it's not the only thing to noteworthy about the shop, though. Because we said about the game... So, c- come back to game pressures. The pressures that the game was putting on you to try and challenge you. The shop was actually one of those mechanics. Because you went in, you were given three items to choose And it was from. different items each time, different wasn't items it? Which each was quite time. good. You could only buy one. Yes. So, you... Uh, any given shop point, you are being asked to make given a choice out choice. of a set. So let's say there were five power-ups, you were given a choice of three of those, and then you had to choose one of them. 
Yeah. So that was quite nice, that element of surprise there. And then you then funneled down to choose one of them. It was it was really good. Yeah. Because there was one level I was in where the, the shop popped up, the little magic doorway that you went into, and I had to choose something. And actually in that level, that situation I was in, it really affected what choice I made. Whereas in a previous level, I might have chosen something different. And that's really quite nice. I, again, it's something that I hadn't picked up on when I was... The nuances of the younger. gameplay. Yeah, it? the nuances yeah. of the design. And the fact to have that nuances of design in a Gremlins 2, which isn't... Yeah, which exactly... they could have just knocked out. Like, exactly. I said the reason I bought that game was nothing to do with knowing about the game. It was everything to do with knowing about the film. Hmm. So there will be plenty of people that bought that game in exactly the same way that people still do now. <laughs> you yes. know, people still buy things based on... The brand. A complete... Yeah. Yeah, based on a brand. Yeah. And that's how I bought it. And that's how lots of people bought it. Yeah, definitely. So it, it is. It's a real... Pl- it's it's a pleasure to go back to revisit this and to realise actually it was a game that I think was made with love. And to have played care. It, and to play it today, a game I've never played before, it was a pleasure to have played it today. Yeah. So for Good. it to, to, to stand up now on 30 years later, I think is brilliant. Good. Good. I'm I'm quite pleased with myself. Yeah, chose a good game. Excellent, thank you. Good, you made it, made it for the Green Dog debacle. So you were, I'm getting the sense that you would recommend it to people. I would highly recommend that to people. It was really good to play. Uh, it is a game, like I said, I've just said, I, I would play it now. I would yeah. recommend, if it was available on digital platforms or whatever to get now, I would recommend getting it. I can't see it being a game that probably would come out on digital platforms nowadays. There was no. a, a lot of... Right. Um, yeah, right. I'm just thinking about, because I saw a news article about it earlier, about the, the DuckTales remastered game that came out... Yes. So DuckTales the game yep. uh, came out again in the sort of time as this, I'd imagine. And then for whatever reason, a remastered version of it mm. came out, what, two years ago? Yeah. And, you know, why was that game remastered out of all the games? I, well, Price time of because the TV it was series? a well-loved... No. Because there was, there was... It was just very well-loved. DuckTales... Yeah, they remade. A new, a new TV series. Yeah. Maybe for that. But yeah, like I say, it's a well-loved game, so... Mm. but Far Gremlins, more well-loved than Gremlins 2. Yeah. So I can't see Gremlins 2 going through having the same no, treatment. No, I don't think... But... Should the availability of the game change, should it be something that does become available, I, I would recommend getting it. Sunsoft and Nintendo did some kind of deal in the Wii days to get Sunsoft's back catalogue on the virtual console. So, it so might could you get this on the virtual console? I don't know. I never right. checked. Right. But I Poor. will be checking after this. Right. Good. Yeah. So for the footnotes again. What games did they have on the virtual console? What, Sunsoft? Yeah. The, I, as far as I know, their entire back catalogue. So those so Batman games. Presumably, Gremlins Two was Aerostar. I, again, I I didn't. You'd be surprised to know, but I didn't at the time memorize the entire catalogue of games on the Virtual Console. Well, that was quite the error, wasn't it? I know. It? Yeah. Who who was to know that thirteen years later we'd be talking about it in a podcast in episode four of a podcast? Yeah. Who does think exactly? So unfortunate, but. Them's the breaks. Yeah, breaks. So there we are, Gremlins 2, this game where you start off throwing tomatoes at tomatoes <laughs> and finish off uh, firing a fi- firing fire arrows at a giant spider gremlin in the dark. Wow. If that is not an endorsement of a game, I don't know what is. I mean, what more could you ask for in a game? Exactly. exactly. I don't think there is anything. In fact, I think that most games these days are probably taken... Several leaves out of <laughs> out of Gremlins 2's books. Yeah. Gremlins 2's books, is that right? Yeah, Gremlins 2's all books. The, all those tomatoes. Too many sibilant yeah. susses there, isn't it? Yeah, there? they were. Uh, they were. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank um, you very much. We will see you again next week. Yes, thank you. Bye. 
This Gameware is a Specky 2 Guys production. Music for the episode is provided under Creative Commons license by Stevia Sphere from the album Cell Division, which can be found at steviasphere.bandcamp.com.